0: and welcome to A Chronic Glow Show. I'm Amy and I'm a mindset coach for chronic illness warriors who want to unleash their potential and take back control of their life. In this podcast you will learn how to create a life you love and deserve all while living with your chronic illness. So grab a cup of tea and let's dive straight in. Hi everybody, welcome back to Acronic Glow. Today we've got a really exciting guest joining us which is Katie. Um, I will hand you over to her so that she can introduce herself and tell us a little bit about you if you can Katie.
1: Yeah hello I'm Katie um, and I have multiple chronic illnesses which I feel like a lot of us on this show will have. You never just get one so I've got inflammatory bowel disease which I've had since I was 16. I'm 24 now Um, and then I had my large bowel removed when I was 18 so five years ago and I have an ileostomy. Then I also have some kind of fibromyalgia chronic pain chronic fatigue which is still in the diagnosis process which is lots of fun especially in a pandemic but it's fine so yeah that's me <laughs> brilliant so can you tell us a little bit about sort of what you do obviously you've got
0: um your instagram you've got various things projects going on could you tell us a little bit about those please
1: yeah so i've had my blog KTMY since since oh since I got my stoma so five years ago Um, and on that I kind of started to explore what well-being meant to me with a chronic illness because so often when you see well-being accounts it's all of these like super fit super healthy super skinny people who are like going to yoga five times a week and can run marathons with like no effort when in reality when you have a chronic illness or even if you don't and you're just kind of normal person that's not necessarily very I don't know achievable maybe is the right word so I kind of wanted to start exploring what well-being meant with a chronic illness because I thought if that can help me surely it will help one other person at least and if that's that's better than helping no one really so that's where it started because yeah I wanted to try and figure it out and then it's just grown from there and as I've learnt more I've kind of been able to share more and actually help people which is really nice and as like my blog's grown and my Instagram's grown I started to do like ebooks and then I've just launched my first course um which is all about well-being with a chronic illness and I feel like it's something which not many people talk about I know you do um and there's a few others But really, I think people are scared to sometimes say well-being with a chronic illness because it can get like poo-pooed being like, that's not going to cure me. I'm like, it's uncurable. It's like, yeah, I know that we can't be cured, but you can make life a lot better with well-being. And it's not just a physical thing. It's in your head, isn't it? Like getting over those mental blocks. And I think that was something I was really passionate about showing that well-being is for everyone it's not just for like a certain elite super group it's for all of us
0: <laughs> yeah I definitely agree I think there's there's almost this sort of mindset that you get a chronic illness and that's your life decided for you and you can't live it and that you can't do this and you can't do that and I think what both of us do and there's as you say there's a few people that try and sort of promote the other side of chronic illness the Decide that you can live life you can go out and enjoy yourself and you can do things but you've got to be mindful of your limitations and that kind of thing and it's a balance isn't it and I think that's what you you promote that so well um so could you talk to us a little bit about your sort of main symptoms on a day-to-day basis what you sort of struggle with the most
1: yeah so it's definitely changed over the years so pre-bag life which was, that was two years of inflammatory bowel disease, which I, I had a lot of different medications and nothing worked, which is why I feel like I like to advocate for the well-being because I'm like, nothing worked for me, what like, but I can still be happy type thing. So pre-bag life, there was like going to the toilet oh god like 40 times a day I think we hit once which which was a lot stomach pain nausea I couldn't eat many foods and things like that whereas post-bag life it's a lot calmer I'd say there's days when I can't move and there's days when there's a lot of pain or there's brain fog and fatigue and just getting out of bed like I need help getting out of bed sometimes but I like that. That's the karma side. That <laughs> sounds a bit weird. That that's the karma side. And um, I also have because of my surgery, I have a hiatus hernia, which is like where the diaphragm is, and there's something. I'll be honest, I don't fully understand what a hiatus hernia is, but it's something to do with like the flap opening to the stomach. Um, and it was caused by strain from stoma surgery and probably lifting too many heavy boxes. And with that, I get a lot of acid reflux, which isn't fun. I struggle swallowing sometimes, which also isn't fun because I like to eat a lot. <laughs> but that's that's that one's a little bit that's quite new. That bit where trying to get used to dealing with acid reflux, which yeah it's not always the best but it's one of those things you get used to it don't you You forget what's normal sometimes I remember before I had my surgery um I got I was I was going in for like a second round of medication and the specialist nurse was like do you need I think you might need to come into hospital and I was like I don't know she goes this isn't normal I was like what do you mean going to the toilet 40 times a day not being able to eat being in quite a lot of pain what do you mean that that's not normal I was like I thought that was and I feel like that's the thing with chronic illness you forget what's what what's normal and what isn't and people get quite confused by it when you're like "Yeah, that's normal uh, definitely
0: you kind of adjust to that new way of life don't you and I I definitely can catch myself sometimes thinking like I don't feel like I'm ill anymore I feel like I'm fine and then I look at like my friends or my husband or whatever and I think oh wait hang on a second but I'm fine because I'm going to bed at seven o'clock every night I'm sleeping like 12 hours a night I'm (laughs) actually only doing like two or three things a day rather than like the 10 things somebody else can do yeah like that's why I don't feel ill because I'm managing in such a way that I'm not flaring but then yeah. you kind of do forget that you're ill sometimes because you're like, but that's my normal. Yeah. That is, for me, that is normal to be able to not, well, not be able to do this, that, and the other. Um, but when yeah. you compare it to somebody else, you're like, Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay.
1: <laughs> yeah. It's also like sometimes like my mum goes running and I'm trying to, I'm trying to run with her, but I'm in like the lowest group. I tried to go into like one of the higher groups and then couldn't move for a week. So I'm like gets up the next day and being like I feel great and I get up and I'm like eh, I can't move. I'm not yeah I can't move I might need some help and like going I'm like a slow motion like runner just like walking down the stairs like <laughs> really like it's like every step is very thought out because it's like there's there, I don't know if there's like a connection missing sometimes from my head to my legs where it's like a real like okay now we're gonna put one foot in yeah. front of the other it can feel like that, that sometimes. Goes.
0: It can definitely feel like that. I found when I remember going when I very first got diagnosed, they referred me to like a clinic, chronic fatigue clinic <laughs> thing, um, which was with a psychologist. And I think I'm pretty sure there was more like it was trying to be CBT for depression. But they, what they were missing was that my symptoms were very much physical. And I remember her saying, "So what yeah. happens when you get up in the morning and and you're." you're on a bad day and I remember saying well so if like on a normal day like an average day when I'm not ill I would maybe reach out put the light on get my phone get out of bed go to the toilet brush my teeth you just kind of like the same things you do automatically when you've got a bad day when you've got a chronic illness all of those steps you've got to like consciously think about okay what do I need to do yeah. next I need to put my arm out pick my phone up then i need to swing my legs over the bed and it's very slow very methodical um and the yeah. psychologist couldn't understand this so i was like isn't this your job to understand this but she couldn't understand she was like well why don't you just put your ph- your hand out and get your phone i was like yeah, but that's the point i can't do that like <laughs> it's, it's very like it's a very methodical process that you've got to go through and it's like your body doesn't run on automation anymore you've got to think about yeah. every single step every single movement to be able to do it and move forward to the next step where most people would just all those things really? like little
1: tasks they just do it yeah that's such a good explanation of it like I've never heard someone explain it like that I'm like yes yes that's exactly <laughs> what it's like
0: <laughs> yes. I think um, oh I remember explaining it, and it's purely because of that experience with the psychologist and me having to really think about how to explain it to her to be able to get her to understand because she was just assuming that I could just wake up and put my arm out and get something and just swing my legs over the bed and do do it and I was having to really think like how can I make her understand this because yeah. it's not that doesn't happen for me I wake up and I'm like what do I need to do I need to, and it's very like slow very and but again, that's something you adjust to now. I, yeah. that's kind of my normal. That's my normal, like having to think about what I need to do in the morning. And if I find myself doing things in automation, I'm like, great, I'm having a good day. And the minute I have to think about it, I'm like, okay, that's a okay. signal to slow down to rest.
1: Yeah, 100%. Yeah. And it's horrible those days when you wake up and you're like, you've had like a run of a few good days, or even yeah. maybe like a few good weeks, and then it hits and you're like, here we go again okay yeah. let's let's get back into how do I do this again yeah what what's next what can I cut out as I always try and think like what steps can be cut out today because is it ne- mine is is it necessary to have like a seven step skincare routine when standing up at the sink is is getting pretty hard I'm like I think I can just maybe wash my face and go sit down somewhere <laughs> definitely
0: I, I feel like I have mornings where um I have like various morning routines and it's like depending very much depending on how I feel and some morning routines is I go all out and I do my skincare and I have a shower and I wash my hair and I do all of the stuff and then other days it's like I get up brush my teeth go to the toilet sit on the sofa and it's like it's like it's such a difference and everything in between as well (laughs) depending Mm -hmm. on how I feel so let's talk a little bit about well-being a little bit more so what mm-hmm. why is you've kind of touched about it on it before but why is well-being so important to you why do you advocate for it so much
1: so for me i just think well-being is something which we forget about sometimes and i think especially when we're on that autopilot where everything comes quite naturally you forget to put it in and then when everything takes so much effort sometimes adding a step in for wellbeing even though it doesn't have to like it doesn't have to drain you can feel like a lot so for me my wellbeing journey if we're going to use use the term journey um started when i was in hospital having my surgery so i was on morphine for a few days after obviously um and I really reacted quite badly to it. So I was already quite an anxious person and morphine seemed to uh, exasperate that anxiousness and I couldn't settle. I was really itchy um, and I was getting really frustrated by the blinds in my room. It was a sunny day and the blinds weren't right. And my mum and dad came and my auntie and uncle came and I was just really stressed out. And I wasn't very, wasn't very pleasant, to be honest. I was like, somebody shut the, shut the blinds? The blinds, they're open. I can't, the sun is in my eyes, I'm too hot, I'm too hot. Like being quite a nasty person, probably. I was probably quite a pain in it for everyone. And so my uncle is a trained hypnotherapist, which is quite random. And he was like, well, Do you want me to try some hypnotherapy? And I think everyone else in the room was like, please, please do anything to it. And I was like, God, I've got nothing else to do. I'm just sat here doing nothing. Go for it. And the calmness which came with that meditation was like ridiculous. Like the itchiness stopped. I kind of, it didn't seem, it didn't seem like the world was imploding on me. Mm. And it was, I think that I didn't realise at the time, but that was kind of my first experience of full well-being and from there I kind of started looking into mindfulness and I got the calm app which is an absolute lifesaver especially when you can't sleep I love Um, it it's just amazing isn't it especially I'm big fan of the Harry Styles sleep story not gonna lie big big fan of that (laughs) um but yeah and that was that was when I started kind of looking more into well-being and I had to build up like so I was I think before surgery I was maybe like a size 10 to 12 which for my height and my age was like pretty normal like I was I was I was pretty I was healthy I was maybe slightly underweight but wasn't too big of a deal but then because I'd spent months not being able to eat properly like I lived off soup and protein shakes just to try and keep me going so I was I was clinically anorexic which I didn't realize there was a difference between like the mental illness anorexia and then there's like one which is just the physicality of being malnourished I didn't realize that that was I'm, I panicked when I saw it on my discharge notes <laughs> I, I was like but I want to eat it's thinking that there was something wrong where there was something wrong but there wasn't as well yeah so I had to spend months trying to build up because I was I was tiny I was maybe seven six or seven stone I was severely underweight um especially for my height because I'm quite tall um, so I had to work on ways to get my food like my weight back up, trying to build muscle back up because I'd been a dancer and then not moving for I'd lost everything. And that was when I started looking into different like foods and eating for like well-being and and making sure I was like nourishing myself, which did include chocolate, included a lot of chocolate. <laughs> and it was that thing I had to reintroduce foods back into my diet quite slowly. And It was all of these things kind of accumulated to going down this well-being rabbit hole. And having gone through that process, I then, my natural thing was, I'm going to share it with everyone. I'm going to let everyone know what I'm doing. (laughs) Because I think maybe maybe because I live in a small place and it was that thing if people saw me looking a bit rough and they needed to know, but I didn't want to tell the story 10, 15, 20 times on one trip so that was where the sharing element started and from there yeah that's how I got into well-being and the more I kind of look into it the more you see oh it doesn't have to like absolutely drain you there's things which fill the cup up rather than empty the cup and that's what I really like to focus on those basic self-care things which you can do from your bed because that's always nice when you can do things from your bed or from the sofa
0: (laughs) definitely definitely I've always got things that I can do if I can't leave the bed today I have like a bank of things that I can still Mm -hmm. do um so you kind of mentioned a couple of things you obviously started you did the hypnotherapy nourishing your body with food um what else have you done to sort of reach that state of true well-being what's worked well for you and what hasn't worked
1: So I think knowing the times which I'm the most productive so I'm really good in the mornings doing work I guess but if I tried to do a yoga flow right now because we're filming this at what like 10 half 10 (laughs) if I did a yoga flow right now I would not be able to move for the rest of the day but if I do that in the evening I'll feel really good and then I'll have a good night's sleep so it's things like that knowing what times things work well for me and I think finding exercise which works for me maybe has been the hardest partly because I used to be really active when I was pre pre pre-illness which is quite hard to I find it quite hard I don't know about you to sometimes distinguish between pre-illness and kind of chronically ill especially because I was six like 15 16 when I became ill and it's like you're comparing yourself to like a child version of you and you're an adult
0: I'm the same I got glandular fever when I was 16 and that that was like the start of my chronically ill journey and so I'm comparing myself to when I was doing my GCSEs which is 10 years ago and it it's unrealistic because even without chronic illness that would have changed
1: yeah, and I think once, I think I only really realised that maybe maybe even like the, like to the latter end of last year, I suddenly started realising, Katie, you are comparing yourself to like you as a young teenager, you're completely different, like chronic illness or not, you're co- completely different, Um, which I think maybe was why I was struggling to find exercise which worked for me and because like I do get really tired quite quickly if I do the wrong type of exercise, that's why I've learned to do it in the evenings rather than the mornings which can sometimes be hard and sometimes it is I think it's like listening to your body and being like you know what today is not not a day to do that and just kind of have a rest and giving yourself permission to have those rest days and rest hours well more like rest days to be honest (laughs) Um, yeah yeah (laughs) so that's definitely two bits of wellbeing which have really helped and journaling I think if anyone follows me on Instagram I'm like journal 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 and like gratitude journals and just it is that thing it gets it out of your head onto a piece of paper when you see it you're like you know what it's not maybe not quite as big a deal as you thought it was or you can be like okay that's how I'm feeling today how and then you can kind of come up with a process to like get over it almost.
0: Definitely. I, I do the same with um, journaling gratitude. I feel like, for me, when it's all in my head, that's where I just, I can't then function. It just stops me from doing mm-hmm. anything. So just having a notebook and just getting it all out in whatever way that is really helps yeah. me to just sort of find that sense of calm and that sense of peace within yourself to be able to then move forward. I think that's always it for me. Like, when I feel like I'm, I'm stuck it's because I've got too many things going on. I need to get it all out yeah. of paper and then I can move forward in a more like focused way. Um, yeah, definitely. And the same thing about the ener- energy and the exercise. Um, I found I'm a bit the opposite. If I don't do something in the morning, it doesn't happen. Um, because I used yeah. to go for like, Angus and I would always say, we'll we try and go for a walk in the afternoon when I finished work by that point my legs are basically done for the day like and I love being sat at the desk all day but I just (laughs) physically cannot put one leg in front of the other even standing to make tea struggle um so I have to sort of but at the same time if I do too much in the morning then I then can't do anything else so it's finding that balance and for me just going on a short walk or doing some gentle stretching is the probably the only thing I can really do in the morning unless I'm if I haven't got any plans for the day I could do a bit more and sometimes I will but if I want to have a productive day I find like 15-20 minutes is like enough of really gentle exercise walking stretching and then I can still do something for the rest of the day but it is it's taken me years to find that balance and test different things and try different times try different exercises and learning from your mistakes and then trying something else (laughs) and everything's different I think that's that's what there is no right or wrong, there is no, you must do this and you must do it this way and this many times, it's just finding what works for you and your body and your illness. Um, yeah, so what has helped you sort of feel more in control of your life, your health, sort of just
1: generally? Oh, <laughs> that's a good question, <laughs> that's a big question. Is there anything um, you're think... more in control? <laughs> um do you know I think having those like well-being rituals like you know we're about like morning routines and I have like an evening routine and I try as best as I can to kind of start my day and end my day kind of almost on my terms however and if that is doing like a really basic version on on the high pain days or a quite extravagant one when you're not as in much pain <laughs> kind of thing they definitely help me feel like I've got a bit of control and having like I have a list of things which make me feel good and I have starred next to them the ones which are like high energy and the ones which are low energy so I've always got like a bank of things to go to to kind of like make you feel a bit better. Um, I think the other control thing is I have I have a dog and I love my dog and dogs have to go for walks Mm -hmm. and he's quite an energetic dog so he has to go on two walks a day and like for as long as for a while as long as we had our old dogs as well I would go on the walks with my mum and when I was flaring really badly I would still go on those walks but I would never go on my own if I I wasn't very well because it's always good to have someone with you and that like even if it was 10-15 minutes knowing that I had that to do that day and even if that was the one thing I do in a day that I've taken my dog for a walk I think that's that's helped a lot just having that routine and kind of being like, well, whatever, whatever happens, he needs to go out. So like, just, you can't, you can't not do it. Sorry, sorry, buddy. It's like, you've got to go do it. Even yeah. if you're going at like so slow and he's really good because he kind of knows when you're in a, when you're having a good day and a bad day and he goes at your own pace, which is quite nice for a very bouncy dog. But so yeah, yeah.
0: Having those sort of non-negotiables that you do regardless of whether you're ill or not and making them manageable for you and maybe adjusting slightly yeah. on how you'd like you say if you're not well it might be 10-15 minutes if you're feeling really good it might be longer um, but definitely yeah. those sort of absolute non-negotiables that you do every single day is like little rituals as you said that make sure that you're still feeling like you are in control of your life because so I feel like control is such a big thing within mm. having a chronic illness, because in so many aspects you are completely out of control and um i know for me and a lot of people i know for a lot of people with me i don't know whether it's the same with other people with chronic illness but um it's like the type a perfectionist type people that tend to get me i don't know whether you've heard of that before but i can definitely i can definitely relate i think i read something and let's say i don't know how much like is that the truth isn't this but when yeah. I read it I was like oh my god that's me I I am that like people pleaser perfectionist want to do everything to the max want to be in control yeah. of everything um and when you've got a chronic illness you lose a lot of that and so just finding little things that you can control is really helpful just to make you feel better about your health and your life um yeah, yeah that's really good
1: definitely I think Another thing which helps me get control, and it's a bit of a weird one, is accepting the fact that you can't control everything and accepting the fact that it's not necessarily anything I've done, which then causes the flare. Because I used to be like, well, the reason I'm flaring is because I had that McDonald's two days ago. Or it'd be like, the reason I'm flaring is because I did this, this and this. Whereas when I kind of flipped it, I was like, well, you're going to flare anyways. But if you can do things which are going to maybe help minimise that or, or are going to help. Because I always think wellbeing things kind of do help manage your chronic illness quite well. Um, But that doesn't mean that you're not going to get the flare-ups. I always think that as long as you're kind of giving yourself the best opportunity, then it is what it is. But don't not do things just because, oh, that might cause a flare. If it's something you really want to do, then it's like, okay, then there's a chance. There's a chance. But that's not the be all and end all. There's there's no like, yes, if you do this, this will happen. And realizing that was was a big thing, I think, for getting control back because it meant that I kind of gave myself permission to live a bit rather than be constantly scared. You feel guilty, don't you? And I, I remember at the very beginning of my chronic illness
0: journey, I'm, I'm not sure about the journey <laughs> part, but I feel I like, know. It's a, it feels a bit cringe. Um, but yeah, I feel like at the beginning, I felt very much, and I felt guilty on behalf of my body for making it ill. Um, and then guilt mm-hmm. would then take up so much energy that that would as well make me ill. And it was just like a vicious cycle, where if you just kind of, as you say, accept okay, I'm not well today. Stop worrying about X, Y, Z and what's caused that flare and this, that and the other. And just be like, okay, this is my body's way of telling me I need to take a break. I need to slow down. It's time to invest in some self-care, some wellbeing practice and just have time for yeah. me rather than worrying about what's caused it and why, you, why, what you're missing out on and this, that and the other. Just be like, okay, I'm listening. I'm resting. I'm going yeah. to take the hint. Um, and letting your body go through the motions of having a flare, I feel like that's much better for your mental state, which in turn helps you kind of move past the flare up.
1: Yeah. So for me, I realised that one of my biggest kind of, trigger points wasn't anything that I necessarily did or ate or kind of it was it was a stress thing so my whole kind of inflammatory bowel disease was triggered by this massive stress event in my life when I was 16 and when my dad was really ill and that was what like and then six months later bam I'm in hospital being really ill and it's like okay so stress is that could be a trigger and it's only maybe this year we've really started to understand the flare-ups since I've been diagnosed but also when I was younger anytime I got stressed I was off school because I had stomach aches so I was really I just didn't want to go in and maybe it's linked to the fact that um, I've got quite a lot of anxiety as well yeah. and that stress and anxiety can cause cause my flares so then it's like okay so if that's that's something I can control through my well-being and trying to control that stress a bit and obviously you get stressed in life it's one of something which happens to us all like we're all going to get stressed but trying to kind of reduce the stress or not even reduce stress just look at how I react to it and not getting worked up over things that I can't I can't control and I think things like that have actually been maybe the biggest helpers in in like managing and taking control is looking at how i react to things rather than the things happening to me yeah does that make sense does that make sense yeah it does make sense i think at the beginning it's
0: really easy to blame everything on physical energy um, and yeah. like I'm ill because I went to the cinema or I went out for drinks or I went for a meal or I did this exercise and it's mm-hmm. really easy to blame it on the physical things because that's what you associate with being tired physical energy yeah and as soon as I realized when I was at uni so I'd had um I'd been ill two or three years before I went to uni and I think I went I think I had was four years between getting language free and going to uni because I went to 20 yeah how did I go at 19? Oh God, you know what? I can't remember.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it all merges into one. It's like when you look back at uni now, you're like, it's so long ago.
0: <laughs> I realised that after every assignment, I, I'd, I'd hand the assignment in and I could almost guarantee the next day I would be ill. Um mm-hmm. in mind doing the assignment. I would barely leave the house. I wasn't really doing much exercise because all of my energy was going into this assignment. And I suddenly realised, because pre-univ- pre-university, I would have exercise, I would go out and I'd do this, and it would all, I'd kind of all merge into one. And then all of a sudden, I was finding myself flaring when I hadn't really exerted much physical energy, it was more mental energy. And I was like, hang on a second, right, I need to do something about mm-hmm. this. Um, and as soon as I made that switch, it was much easier for me to then manage it because I realised that actually if I managed my stress, and managed my mental health and the anxiety and the overwhelm, that in turn would help manage my physical symptoms. And I think making that... (laughs) That kind of connection. (laughs) Making that connection was so important for me to actually manage everything and manage my symptoms and understand why I was ill without playing the blame game um because yeah. I feel like I stopped doing a lot of physical activities because I be like that's gonna make me ill I can't go out it's gonna make me ill I can't do this exercise it's gonna make me ill and as soon as I realized actually they probably weren't making me ill they probably weren't helping but they weren't making me ill yeah. it's a combination of everything mainly being stress it just yeah. was a game changer um because I could actually work with that um but yeah so um you recently launched your ebook learn to live well Mm -hmm. could you talk a little bit about the seven pillars of well-being that you talked about i bought the ebook and absolutely loved it Um, i'm glad you've enjoyed it (laughs) i've never really heard about the seven pillars of well-being so could you just talk talk us through those a little bit
1: yeah no i can't remember the doctor's name but it was as i was researching well-being and that was it was maybe as I started to shift the focus of my blog a bit because I was like, I didn't want to just talk about chronic illness because I was like, when I'm having it, I started to feel guilty having good days because I was like, oh, I'm a bit of a fraud when that's not the case like I don't have to be ill <laughs> all the time just well, for content insane. that's, that's yeah. what I realized so that was why I made like a conscious shift to well-being because I was like well that's something I personally want to focus on in my own life so if I then shift my blog then it's content and I'm making myself feel good I feel like that's maybe a weird way to think of things I think you maybe only understand that if you are like a content creator So it's like yeah it's like almost like I've got to trick myself sometimes into doing my well-being because if I don't then I've got no content which is maybe a backwards way of looking at it but at the beginning especially it really helped because making that shift to have been like that helped but as I made that shift on the blog I was like right I wanted to do more research into the well-being side and kind of looking at link between well-being and chronic illness and that was when i came across the seven pillars of well-being so there's right i'm going to see if i can remember off the top of my head it's physical well-being mental well-being environmental well-being social well-being intellectual well-being spiritual well-being and then i added i added the seventh one this is my own my own little thing which was digital well-being because i think in as we live we live so much online now and if your feed isn't making you feel good like how many people go onto onto their instagram and you're scrolling through and you just feel a bit rubbish Mm -hmm. whereas i was like okay well that's another element of well-being that's another element of your main life which can really impact how you're feeling so that's kind of the seven pillars and i thought well if one pillar which is physical well-being which especially with chronic illness is something you can't really control that much so we'll take physical well-being the pillar out for a moment but then you've got six other pillars which you know are things which don't have to be impacted by your chronic illness as much and can actually improve the overall kind of like your overall life and can help you feel like you're living even though that physical pillar maybe isn't the best but if you can really top the cups up of the other pillars then that's a pretty that's a pretty good life and so that was when I started to really start exploring the different kind of elements of well-being and that's when I got a bit excited because I was like oh I was like this actually this is why well wellness works for everyone people so often just focus on like the health yeah one and there are bits in the health room that we can we can work on things like finding movement which works and i always like to use the term movement rather than yeah. exercise because they di- they are different but movement is still is just as good as as exercise yeah. without baby person someone could
0: be doing light like stretching in bed whereas movement yeah could be going and doing like an hour hit workout it changes yeah
1: <laughs> yeah Um, and then there's things like what you're how you're nourishing your body and I'm always a bit skeptical and scared I think scared the right word to use talking about food with chronic illness because it's so different for every person which is why I always like to go down the like making sure you're just nourishing your body in the way that you kind of feel that it needs to be I've I've been on so many different diets because of having a bowel disease it means that you try like low like in in what what have i done anti-inflammatory like low fiber high fiber that one was not fun and like none of them worked (laughs) like at the end of the day none of them actually worked for me and it is i found that things like maybe cutting cutting milk out of my diet not dairy just milk which is a bit of a weird one has helped me but that doesn't mean that it's going to help you or anyone listening and i think i think that you've got to be really careful about sometimes talking about food which is why i always go down there just nourish your body and choose what's good for you and then things like sleep like working on our sleep which can be hard with chronic pain and side effects of medication which cause insomnia anyone who has been on a steroid will have had the like steroid insomnia which you just lie awake at night and you just feel dreadful and trying to find ways they're the kind of three elements of physical the physical well-being pillar which i think there are changes that i can make yeah without it being like going for a marathon
0: run yeah. <laughs> type thing understanding that it looks different for everybody as you were yeah. saying like you know sleep for someone if they could get five hours of sleep that's a really good night's sleep if you're on steroids or if you're on pain medication that means you can't sleep that's then a really good night's sleep. Whereas for me, I've got chronic fatigue syndrome. So I have to get sort of at least eight, nine, preferably 10 hours if possible yeah. um, to be able to even think about functioning the next day. And I think it it it's not about doing everything perfectly and doing everything amazingly. Yeah. It's about doing what you can to make it a little bit better. It's just like going a little bit, doing a little bit more or doing a little bit less or whatever it is and just improving slightly is a step forward isn't it
1: yeah and it's that thing like each pillar is so different so like your mental well-being for me that's definitely like doing like the gratitude journal and journaling and meditation which is something which I still sometimes struggle doing because I don't know why I make it a big thing in my head so that's something that I always try and work on is add, how I can add that into maybe a daily routine sometimes it's not it's not daily but I at least try to do it once a week and I always say well that's better than nothing Yeah. and things like that and like my mental well-being is looking at how I can reduce the, that stress and working on my anxiety and panic attacks which is going really well actually since I started doing like really focusing on well-being and my mental well-being like the panic attacks have been I've had one this year which I think considering we're in a global pandemic is it's pretty decent <laughs> I'll take that <laughs> um and then like with the environmental well-being that's I always try and t- like I said about my dog walk so that's me getting out into nature we go through a wood and just getting that fresh air is really good but I also think well if you can't get out on a walk, maybe just sitting outside for 10 15 minutes or opening your window in your room just to get that fresh air in can do like yeah. wonders. Um, so that's and then intellectual well-being that one is like maybe it's reading your book or watching a documentary on Netflix type thing. It doesn't have to be it doesn't have to be this massive thing. it could just be like listening to a podcast, TED talk, whatever kind of makes makes you feel good kind of thing and where you're learning but you don't have to you don't have to like use your brain too much type thing
0: yeah you don't have to sit through 10 journal articles on google scholar yeah
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah you're not going back to uni for it you don't have to have any kind of educational element to it it's just maybe it's uh, like any kind of thing which interests you
0: yeah i think me um it definitely comes down to doing a little bit of something is better than not doing yeah. it at all. And a little yeah. bit I mean I through lockdown I really struggled with going out leaving the house at all. Like I got to a really mm. um point where Angus would say, Should we just go for a quick walk? And I'd, it was like this sort of wave of anxiety would hit out of nowhere yeah. for no good reason other than I didn't want to leave. And when I was speaking to Angela, Black, is it because you're worried about getting coronavirus? And I was like, actually, no, it it's not, it's not because I'm worried about going out and getting that. It would just be going out, full stop. Yeah. I, just, I, I think because I'd had so long inside, it'd become like that my t- blanket, and I couldn't leave. Yeah. Um, but eventually, going out for five minutes, and like literally, we've got a park opposite, which takes five, not even ten minutes, like to walk around. Me doing that for me was better than staying in and not going out at all and it's just baby steps yeah. now i can go further than the park and there's like allotments further down i can go down to the allotments and then like down to the race course and that's fine but i've i've started from literally like walking out of our like apartment oh. complex to the park and yeah. park. and to me that has led me that's on it's massive it's baby steps and they yeah. might seem like really massive things to you and that's great but just take one step at a time Um, and you know that that's all you can do stop I think it's really important when you've got chronic illness not to put like overwhelming pressure on you like I want to be able to Mm -hmm. walk three miles in an hour and I want to be able to go and I don't know whatever. it is go shopping all day on my feet or I want to sit at my desk and work like nine till five I think you you've got to find what works for you and just take it one step at a time and just remember doing a little bit is better than nothing listening to 15 minutes of a podcast better, is better than not listening to any just a yeah. little
1: bit at a time it is it's is just those small little steps and as you do those small things gradually You're able to. they turn into bigger things but no one i always think no one starts off running a marathon yeah it starts off as like maybe a, not even a 5k. Like when you do couch to 5k, it's like you do the majority of the first week walking, walking with, a tiny, with the tiniest bit of running in. Yeah. And that's how you build it up. Whereas you, whereas you often just see, I think especially on Instagram, you'll sometimes just see the big thing.
0: Mm.
1: Whereas you've not seen all of those, little, those incremental little steps building up to that one big thing. That's it. Sure. And I think
0: for a lot of people starting starting something new, they don't necessarily notice the smaller steps because they find it much easier to be able to get to that point. But when you've yeah. got chronic illness, I feel like every step is an achievement that you should be proud of, and you should mm-hmm. remember that feeling of being able to do it. I mean, I I remember when I was very first ill, first diagnosed with ME, I had a year out of university, um, and I could barely. We've got half a mile drive back home. And I could barely yeah. like split into thirds, I guess. So I couldn't even walk up like the first third. So that's not even, it's not even quarter of a mile. It's like, I don't even know. It's like a third of a half a mile, whatever that is. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, and I is really, not my strong yeah, point.
0: Not. <laughs> So And I could barely do that. And I remember that feeling when I hit that third of the drive mm-hmm. and actually did it and got back. And didn't feel utterly exhausted. I can still feel that achievement now, like what, seven, eight years later, because it was such a massive thing for me. And now I can do the whole drive and back without much of a problem, depending on the day. But yeah. that feeling like it's something that I've made sure that I've kept so that when I can't do it again, or I can only do that. I remember, well, actually seven years ago, that's all I could do. And I was so proud and grateful that I was able to do it. And so now when I can't do it or if that's the only thing I can do, I can still feel proud and grateful that I've been able to do it. Just like, be grateful and proud of every little step that you take because it's so important
1: um, when trying mm-hmm. to make any progress with chronic illness. Yeah, that's so true. Because I've got, I've got a similar kind of walk, but it's around our river. And I remember the first time getting to go through the wood after my surgery, and it was oh, it was weeks afterwards because it'd been <laughs> been a big surgery. And it was week weeks afterwards, and just that achievement of getting up these steps and down and back, like I I like rested for the rest of the day, but that achievement wow. was amazing. And it's things like that which helped. So earlier this year, um, I I don't know what happened, but I became really ill again, and I couldn't like I could hardly walk without getting out of breath and even just there's this really flat walk on the other side of our river and it's super flat and there's lots of seats along the way and just doing that I had to stop at every single seat and even now now I'm fine and can walk it like absolutely no problem but I still think of like you know what that was such an achievement like going out on your own and just walking down and back like it's not even I'm thinking like around the river is three times it's 5k
0: yeah
1: so I was doing half of one lap so like <laughs> what's that like a fifth <laughs> I yeah, don't even know last but, one point clearly <laughs> yeah yeah we we really like to try and work in these fractions and we're yeah. like don't that's actually it. know what that means but it was a ti- it was a tiny part of the walk whereas now I can do it easily and it is that thing that having those things where you're really grateful for just doing a few small steps is is massive it is massive and it's good to have that because it helps you then the next time you have a bad day being like but you've been here before and you've got through it and i think always having that in the back of your mind is always a good one
0: yeah i feel like i always remember when i'm ill and i'm having a flare i always kind of remember okay but this isn't the worst i've been and i've come back from that so I can come mm-hmm. back from this. And I think remembering, not remembering the ill side of things, but remembering the comeback from it is really important. Yeah. Because with every flare-up, I've always had a comeback. So I know going mm. forward, if I have a flare-up, there'll be a comeback. And it might be after a day, might be after a week, might be after a month, but it will come. And it's been patient and accepting that yeah. everything sort of is there for a reason and it will happen but you've just got to give it time um, mm-hmm. and do what's good for you. And that, that obviously is all the wellbeing, self-care mm-hmm. stuff, isn't it? So yeah, we've talked for 45 minutes, which is great. <laughs> um, to finish off, one question I'd like to ask you is, what would be your biggest advice, so your like, top tip to someone who has
1: just been mm-hmm. diagnosed with chronic illness? Um, I feel like... Th- there's a lot of different tips you could give. Um, But i am trying to think of like the top one. Part of me, which maybe goes against what a lot of people might say, is don't Google it. Mm. Don't don't fall down the Google rabbit hole because I did that when I first got diagnosed. And I think that once you've got past the NHS bits, which can be scary sometimes, (laughs) um, but also at least that's proper information. And then it was some random website, like, do you know, what? it might've even been a chronic illness blog, which then is like, <laughs> like it's they're not all great, is what I'm gonna say, because yeah. it was one about life with ulcerative colitis. And then one of it was, you will lose friends. And I remember like, absolutely freaking out about this. And to the point where I sat my friends down, and had this really serious chat at 16, and they were like, what are you doing? <laughs> like, okay we'll we like we're, we will we'll be here for you but you're not gonna like lose us and they're still my best friends now like eight years later um so yeah i think maybe try not to google it and it, or if you are googling it just be mindful of the content you're consuming ar- surrounding it so go on instagram and if you're going to follow Like chronic illness accounts, like us, like we have, there are some really good ones out there, and there's an amazing supportive community. But make sure you're not following the other side, which is like a really like it can bring you down. It's like the worst bits of chronic illness. And I think think there's
0: something I because I I follow um, as you say people chronic illness from the community that are very supportive, very uplifting, yeah, very sort of empowering. And there is this other side, and I feel like it's I don't this sounds bad but they kind of just document all the bad parts and it's yeah it's like they sort of dramatize it and and it's literally it's just always saying this has happened and that's happened and this has happened and they're not really sharing the the lessons they've learned and how they've overcome it and and I think that for me is is whether it's an unfollow for me if if I'm never seeing any like Positive.
1: Side of it is the balance element, isn't it? Again, whereas it's the sharing
0: reality, but also sharing the sort of you can come back from this kind of thing.
1: Um, yeah, I was in a I don't know about you, but I if I imagine that there's any Facebook groups for people, so I joined a lot of Stoma and actually the ones which I found the hardest were the inflammatory bowel disease ones and even like some of the official ones from the official charities I found really hard to be a part of because you were seeing stories from people who were a lot worse than you or in a completely different like Mm. flare-up to you and reading that and being absolutely terrified that that was going to happen to me which was then why I kind of turned away from ones where I think Facebook groups especially because it's people asking for advice or sharing pictures or stuff like that and it, it's just too much so it is that being really mindful of what you, who and who you're following and kind of the message they're trying to send because I don't know about you but I have kind of a, my personal kind of thing with when I'm sharing the bad side and like the flare-ups it's a lot of the time I won't actually share whilst I'm in it because yeah. I've not got the energy to do it. But B, it's like, well, I don't know what I'm going to learn from this, and just showing someone like a really bad flare-up isn't necessarily going to help anyone. Yeah. And it could I actually be detrimental.
0: Yeah. I, yeah. And um, that—that's a really good point because if I'm sharing anything about a bad flare-up or the sort of darker sides of chronic illness, I always want to try and share it alongside a message of a lesson Mm. or something like this is what i've learned from it or a reminder or just something that it's like okay i've had this really really horrible week this that and the other i really should have put my laptop on do not disturb
1: (laughs) i had to do that
0: um but yes okay all of the bad stuff but I've come out of it feeling this, this, this. This is what I've learned from it. This is what I've reminded myself of. This is how I'm getting myself out of it. And I think that's really important than just showing I'm really, really ill. And I feel yeah. it. And this has happened and that's happened. And I've got to go to the hospital again. And there's nothing good mm. out of it. I think there is, a, there is a balance. And I know the people in the community that sort of I follow, it's very much sharing that balance. And that's why I enjoy following yeah because it kind of gives me um that uplifting and power powered feeling that i need to be able to carry on rather than gloom and oh my god i'm never going to get better because that just contributes to your feelings of overwhelm
1: yeah and it's kind of then gets you into that negative mental spiral as well as someone else getting into it and then it's like well no one is benefiting from this so and it is a thing, like I will sometimes like I'll take pictures and I'm in that kind of zone but often I'll just go on like a social media blackout for a bit or I'll just share other people's posts yeah. rather than sharing what I'm going through. I think also because sometimes I'll share that I'm going to a, an appointment and then I will regret sharing that I've gone to that appointment because something massive's happening. It's like, you know what, I'm I'm not quite ready to share this yet. Like I definitely got it when like earlier this year when I went for an endoscopy and found out I had the hiatus hernia and I documented it all in real time which in hindsight I maybe wouldn't have done because then I was getting loads of questions from people asking about it and kind of and wanting help because they're they're going through and they don't know much about it either and then it's like I don't know much about either as well and I'm trying to work this out and sometimes it's good to show that working out and it was good because I could ask people for help but also when you've got people always assuming that they can ask things, because I do like to think that I'm quite an open book, but if you're processing it yourself, it can be quite difficult. So, yeah.
0: I think I, I did the exact same. I had a hospital appointment a few weeks ago um, and I shared like before I went, but like, oh, this is, I didn't share the exact procedure that I was going for, but sort of like i going to the hospital, this and the other. Yeah. Um, And there was a few messages of like people I consider friends in the community um, which I absolutely welcome they were giving their support but there yeah. were also quite a few questions and like what was it for was this because of this symptom and it was like making yeah. a function based on like the five percent of my life that they know about and it was like oh is this yeah. you have this symptom and is this what you need to do is this what I need to ask for and all of a sudden I was like oh my god I actually wish I hadn't shared it until I'd been there got in the procedure I've only just received the results like two days ago and it was like three weeks ago yeah. so and now I'm at a point I'm like I probably can share it but I feel like I've already used the energy that I have for that particular thing because yeah. I've already shared it and already had to go through all the questions and a lot of them were like oh is this because um is this this and is this this procedure because if it's not that's the one that you need to have and giving all this like robust advice and asking all these questions that one i'm not qualified to give like i I Mm. can't can't give that advice i can't say that if you've got the same symptom you need to have the same procedure like i can't give that Mm. information and also asking me questions that i didn't even know the answers to myself hence why i was going to the appointment and yeah so i think it is it's it's like for yourself as a chronic illness blogger. We have kind of switched the the um yeah. <laughs> the advice <laughs> as Sorry. a chronic illness blogger. Like like a because, thing. Yeah, be mindful of what you're putting out and make sure that you have the energy to be able to carry through any any follow up from that. Um I think you always yeah. got that you're going to have questions and you're going to have advice given and are you in a mental state to be able to deal with that? And if not, maybe this isn't a good time to be putting that information out there.
1: Yeah I think on the flip side that's why it's really you've got to be really mindful of the content you're consuming when you're first diagnosed especially if you've just been diagnosed with inflammatory bowel disease and then um, you follow my account whereas where I've had inflammatory bowel disease for seven and a half years well diagnosed for seven and a half years and I've had surgery so I'm in a very different place to where you are and I will do my utmost best to help support you through that if you've got any I always say if anyone I get quite a few people who have just been diagnosed or just getting their surgery Mm. and I welcome anyone to come into my dms and ask questions and chat through it because I've been there I I know exactly where you're at but you seeing me where I am I'm not where you are anymore so don't compare yourself to where I am because your expectations based on somebody else yeah yeah whereas I've I'm not on medication anymore I've had the main bit of the diseased organ I've had it removed so I don't technically have any active disease but that's a whole that's a whole other topic of whether I still have it or not um but yeah so if you've just been diagnosed and you're trying to find the right medications and you're in flare-ups comparing yourself to someone who isn't in that position or even if you're following someone who is also diagnosed, but maybe it is on the medication works for them but it's not for you. It's not trying don't compare yourself to other people because everyone, even if you have the exact same symptoms, how you react is is different to them and different medications will work for you and not for someone else and vice versa. And yeah, I think that's what's really important when you're consuming content, especially chronic illness content, is is that you can't compare like for like yeah
0: it can be very overwhelming and lots of conflicting information you've got to make sure that what you're consuming is you're either mindful that that's not where you're at and that's okay or you're consuming Mm -hmm. stuff that's actually relevant to you and not just sort of scaremongering yourself because that's not the intention of the person who's posted it but if it if that's the reaction from you then that's not content that you need to consume and that's nothing against whoever's posted it it just means it's not yeah. for you at that moment in time so being very mindful of what you're consuming um yeah. so i think we'll leave it there thank you so much we've done a lot <laughs> We, i feel like we could have carried on for ages <laughs> thank you so much for coming on um just before you go would you like to share any current offers where can people find you on social media if they want to come and
1: follow you yeah so i'm on instagram at katie may one and the katie has two e's because that's how i like to do it and my blog is uh www.ktmy.co.uk, and on there you can find i've got two um learn to live well ebooks the first one is an ebook explaining all the pillars of well-being into more detail of what we've been talking about today and then there's a workbook to go with it Which has lots of practical actionable steps to take. So yeah, that's where you can find me. Thank you so much and we will I will chat to you all another day
0: Thank you so much for listening to today's episode of A Chronic Glow Show. I really hope you enjoyed the episode and feel much more empowered to take back control, say hello to a more positive and healthy mindset and start living your best life with a chronic illness. Before you go I'd be so so grateful if you could spend just a couple of seconds to leave a review on iTunes and subscribe to my podcast if you haven't already. I really really appreciate all your support and I will see you in the next episode. Bye!